When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Rose City, to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. After a extended layoff for the, the two of us on this pod, we have returned to your airwaves. Uh, Chris, how are we doing on this fine August morning? It's too hot. It is too hot. I agree with That's that. all I really have to say. It's too hot. <laughs> We've the, two, the two of us have respectively just been traveling all over the place. We have. We're very like men about town, you know, uh, yeah. getting getting out into into the world. I yeah. I spent I, I spent last weekend in Boise uh, with some college friends, uh, and it's just like you know, it's uh, it it was like cooler there than it was here. I like stepped off the plane in Portland, and I was like, this is worse. Too hot. <laughs> um, so it's too hot. That, yeah. That's that's the sum and substance of my my perspective on this this Monday morning. Sure. No, I, I visited my brother in Washington, D.C., and uh, it was humid there and, and gross in a lot of respects. But honestly, you know, humid and in the 80s is preferable to what we've been dealing with uh, in the last 24 hours as far as heat goes. I feel like there's just no ozone left and we're just made to suffer under the, the uh, magnifying glass of the sun as we go outside uh, in, in these Portland summers these days. It, I, remember the old days when it was like, you know, mid-70s, mid-80s, pretty much every day during during the summer in, in, in this town? I remember it, at least. Yeah, and when, like, it was weird and special, it was almost like a snow day if we got into the upper 90s or the 100s, right? <laughs> it was something that happened, like, once in a while. Like, every year, every year there'd be, like, one or two days, or every couple of years there'd be, like, a little heat wave where you, like, got up into the upper 90s and the low 100s. And now that's just like, yeah, it's Tuesday. Um, it's in the hundreds again. Cool. Uh, it's too hot. Too hot, guys. <laughs> With you there. Climate change is real, by the way. Let's just let's just uh, add that in uh, as yeah. as an important point. <laughs> as an aside. <laughs> as an aside, uh, the climate we, we is rapidly all, changing. We are not all crazy. <laughs> this is happening. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> It's Turns not, out there's data to back up our, our our perceptions. Right. Not this far off thing anymore. This is literally happening in front of us. But uh, this is not a climate change podcast. This is a soccer podcast. Uh, it is a weather made in Portland podcast. Yeah, though. there, so there is, is. This is firmly within our, our bailiwick. This, this is. I, I think that we have the right. Um, you know, the first amendment provides us with that, but, uh, as, as we jump into the soccer, um, two consecutive one, one draws for the Portland Timbers, uh, one, a lot less disappointing and frustrating than the other. Um, Diego Char is both pretty disappointing. Yeah. I, I, both know, disappointing the, in their on own the, respects. On the disappointing scale, both are like a seven or above. Sure. But, you know, it'd be a seven with the Nashville game in that case versus like a 9.9 in, in the case of that Dallas game, only because you get to a point where Marvin Loria um, does a great job to earn the penalty. He gets it blocked, but he follows it in and and, and uh, got a little lucky. And, and uh, you know, he kind of tracked it a, a little bit and um, it, it was an easy save. The problem is the keeper 
could not hang on to the thing and he just ran right back in and, and finished it off. So you're thinking at that moment, all right, this was like a season defining moment for the Timbers. They they pull out an improbable win that can catalyze a, a strong run to the finish of the season. And then all of the air just comes screaming out of the balloon when uh, when a corner leads to Diego Chara own goal. Not Diego's fault, uh, in my Not view. He totally got pushed into into the situation and and you know I don't think it was anything illegal. I think that no. the the only every set piece, yeah, it, it's just set piece defending is just a massive problem for this team, and and I think that um, all manner of set pieces have caused them issues. I, I think that you know it was a relatively fair result given how the the game went. I think that one could argue that FC Dallas deserved to to come out of that game with three points given how many major defensive lapses and breakdowns that the Timbers had that led to truly like golden looks at goal. Uh, thankfully for the Timbers, Alyaz Ivacic, uh, who has declared himself the best goalkeeper in MLS, um, it, it came through and, and uh, kicked butt in that situation. I mean, he, ch- he charged guys, he was reactive, he was getting fingertips on, on shots and, and, Really, I think the man of the match beyond Marvin Loria uh, w- would be Alias uh, in that one. Just he's been excellent lately, and um, you know, for for however middling the Timbers have been uh, in recent games, I think he's absolutely been a bright spot. I think so. In many ways, even though the the results have been very very disappointing this last week with the draws against Nashville and Dallas. In many ways, the Timbers have really dodged some bullets. Uh, I thought that Nashville game, the Timbers also conceded a number of pretty good chances uh, that 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 didn't come to fruition either because uh, because Nashville, you know, had a couple that they should have done better with. Uh, Ivicic bailed them out a couple times in that game as well, uh, and uh, one or two times some really baffling decisions from Sylvia Petrescu, the, the referee, uh, went, went the Timbers way. That's not to say that Petrescu, I thought was slanted toward the Timbers in that game. I thought there was some nonsense the other way as well. Um, but they dodged some bullets in that game as well. And, and so I, you know, I think in it, it, this is a, a, these are two home draws that very easily could have been two home losses. Um, and I think the Timbers were probably second best in both games. Um, not, not by huge distances. It's not like they got blown out, uh, in, in, in either game, uh, they were in both games, but you know, I mean, they, two more home games in which the Timbers haven't looked good. Frankly, they didn't look good, look all that good against the, the earthquakes, uh, in the home game before they certainly didn't look all that good, uh, against the white caps in the home game before. And it's not like this is LAFC coming into town, um, that are, that are playing on at least equal terms. Uh, with the Timbers, these are these are teams that are either in or below the playoff line, the the playoff race, and that's not great. Uh, the the this home form has been pretty darn poor, and I you know the the Timbers I wouldn't say have defended from open play well. They haven't they haven't conceded a ton of goals from open play, um, but I think they they've had some near some you know a good number of near misses, um, but. You know, even setting that issue aside, they've conceded set piece goals in four straight games. Yet, I mean, they they have lost results because they've conceded set piece goals in at least a couple of those. Um, the last three, you know, were all draws uh, that would have tipped in their favor if they hadn't con- conceded those set piece goals. Uh, and when you see a pattern emerging that is this clear, um, 
and you see, I mean, look, that's six points, right? If if the, the, the Timbers had taken those six points, they'd be in third place. They'd be four points clear of fourth. Uh, they'd be, you know, setting, you, you know, kind of stipulating that Austin and LAFC are going to be the top two in the West, which I think is, is a foregone conclusion. LAFC taking the top spot in the West and almost certainly the supporter shield. Um, you know, the Timbers would be in really strong position uh, to be sort of that next team uh that was going to host a first round uh a first round game yeah I th- and I they're think, not and and they, they're, <laughs> because they're just not yeah and there's just been so many scenarios this season and i believe it was uh either mike donovan or someone else on twitter who, who shared a statistic where uh the, the timbers have been in in the lead uh in in several games this season that they've fallen backwards into draws and had they not done that had they hung on to those results they'd be firmly in second place even above Austin right now. Um, you know, catching LAFC would obviously be a much 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 taller task uh, and and I don't think anybody's going to do that. They're on a record pace right now. But that's the scenarios that you're in. You know, you, you even um entertain a scenario where you have half of those matches where where you uh, had taken the lead and and you finish it off and get the win. Uh, you're in that position like you were just talking about, where you're in third, uh, you're feeling comfortable, you're feeling like you might give Austin a run for its money for that number two spot, and, and you yeah. feel like you're one of the better teams in MLS. You you feel confident in your ability to make another run at MLS Cup because you're in one of those upper-tier positions. Now, because of the scenario they're in, given the points per game that they have, they are on track to be eighth in the West. They're on track to miss the playoffs given their current points per game. Um, yeah, they're just dancing with the red line right now. They are. They're, they're fighting for the opportunity to even just get in. And where, whenever they get in, they're going to have to go on the road to a tough team, a, a Minnesota, an Austin, um, an FC Dallas team that last time Portland played in Dallas, the Texas curse reared its ugly head and they just got smacked. <laughs> Um, I don't think that would happen in a playoff scenario. I think that um, this most recent game between the two teams was more indicative of their um, even match in, in a lot of ways. But those are still difficult games to play. And, and you you don't want to put yourself in this position where you have an uphill battle to to do the thing that you've done so well in the last few years, and that's that's make late season runs. Um, you you got to get in the postseason. I think it, it for a, this franchise with how tight the budget is and how um, much money they have tied up in their current roster. Uh, it's very hard to justify not making the postseason. Um, no matter how many injuries you've had this year, uh, you have essentially everybody back now for, for this next game in Toronto. Um, it's going to but be it's a also tough a game. game in Toronto against a re- uh, retooled Toronto FC team. Right. And, I mean, that's, and a tough, that's a tough game. That's one that you on the form chart, you'd, put down as a loss definitely and and so uh these games these recent games when we're talking about the home games against a team like nashville or dallas who you like to think you're around the same level or better than um coming out with two draws is just not enough and and when we were in this scenario uh, at the midpoint in the season where we were talking about the timbers needing to play supporters shield soccer the rest of the way to make the postseason they are undefeated, yes, 10 games after the break. But if a whole bunch of those are draws and you're by far leading Major League Soccer in terms of number of draws and a bunch of them came at home, um, it doesn't really matter that much 
it, your your undefeated streak uh, is less impressive. I'm I'm way more impressed by the undefeated streak of the Portland Thorns uh, than I am by the one from yeah. the Timbers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm more impressed by the Portland Thorns than by the Timbers in in many many in, respects. That being in only pretty one. much every <laughs> aspect of the game. Yes, I am. But we can get in, into the Thorns later yeah. as, as they've been. Um, they had a disappointing game of, of their own recently, but you know, they'll be okay. The Timbers, however, just a weekend full of disappointing draws. Yeah. Just a, just a, a disappointing week in general for PTFC. Um, going back to the Timbers though, it's, 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 you know, it stops being make or break time and starts being the time where you're, you're just breaking right at, I mean, at this point, um, if you're not getting these results, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction and you have an uphill battle, the rest of the way, uh, two two road games coming up. Uh, Toronto on the thirteenth. That's a tough one. You'd like to think you can go into Kansas City and get a win uh, on August to, August twenty first, but now it's at a point where you have to. There's so few to. games left. Next home game is against Seattle, August twenty sixth. Haven't won that one in a while. Have not. And and the road team in that rivalry has dominated recently. So, and the the emotions of the rivalry are going to make that even tougher, uh, even if some scenario where Seattle's shorthanded for that one, uh, Portland gets lucky. Um, we'll see. That's, that's a ways we'll off, see. but, um, it, it's, ex- it's an important time for, for the team regardless. And I also want to step back sort of on the, on the playoff race from a little bit higher level perspective too, because, you know, in MLS, I, I, I disagree with those who say that making the playoffs is nothing, but I agree with those who say that making the playoffs simply making the playoffs should never be treated as the benchmark of a successful season. Too many teams make it to say that that's sort of a, a blessing of success. Um, and I think the, the Timbers ambitions, uh, and given the Timbers track record over the course of, of the last several years, three finals in seven years, the, you know, MLS cup trophy, which I more or less equate with like a U.S. open cup trophy. Um, one MLS Cup, obviously. You're talking about uh, the MLS's back trophy, just just for, yeah. MLS for back. What did I say? What you said say? MLS Cup, which obviously is like right, which the biggest two, thing, which is the different thing. But they did win an MLS Cup, which is better than a US Open Cup. Yes, the MLS is a back trophy, which is more or less the equivalent, to, in my mind, at least, of a, of a US Open Cup trophy. Would you equate that um, to like the Lakers winning the the title in the bubble, or do you think that the the um, no that's less? This is less legitimate than that. Well, it's it's at least it's less significant because the Lakers winning the title in the bubble, like that was the NBA championship that year. Um whereas like, you know, MLS then went on and had a whole other season, basically. <laughs> had an MLS regular season and another MLS Cup. And so I think it actually fits pretty comfortably in uh in sort of the US Open Cup spot. Uh, sure. It was sort of a mid season tournament. Um yet it's more or less the roughly the same number of games. Uh, all of that, I, I think it's a, it's an easy way to kind of slot it into the the hierarchy of of trophies. So you wouldn't call it like a Mickey Mouse ring as as far as uh, the Timbers go. It, it's something no. that that has legitimacy, but um, is different. Certainly has legitimacy. Is certainly worth acknowledging and sort of like you know having as part of a, 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 as as part of the club's sort of collective history it goes on the club's resume uh there's a banner to, to put it in those kind of kinds of terms there there is a banner maybe a little bit too big oh um, <laughs> but 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 i think there's 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 fairly a banner uh you know the the sounders make a lot of of celebrating their u.s open cup uh trophies even even when like 
you know, they got to buy home games in that tournament. Um, and so like, and so, you know, I, I think every club in MLS and every club in American soccer that has won the U S open cup has that, has that on their resume. Right. Uh, and so, and so very fairly that I think the Timbers, uh, the Timbers sell, uh, you know, celebrate that as, as part of their history. Is it on par with an MLS cup? No. Is it on par with the supporter shield? No. Um, but, but it's, it, it matters. Uh, it was a leg, like, it was a legitimate tournament in which teams were trying hard teams, frankly, were trying harder than they do more consistently trying harder than they do in a U.S. open cups. Um, uh, there are a decent number of teams every year who make sort of tactical decisions about how much they're going to invest in, in open cup. Um, uh, and I think generally the Timbers opponents invested more in MLS's back than they did in uh then then you know many do in, in in the open cup so yeah it's definitely a legitimate thing uh frankly i think the people who who try to discredit it are doing it in a little bit of bad faith especially with it i mean you see it frankly most from seattle folks which is kind of hilarious um uh, <laughs> given 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 like the 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 love that they have for the for the open cup um uh, uh it, you know it, it's a it's a legitimate thing and they're they're proud of it and they should be but all of that aside i mean you know making the playoffs is not Making the playoffs does not go on the resume, right? I mean, just, you know, hey, 2022, we snuck in with the seven seed. Like, that, yeah. that's not on the resume. There's no banner hanging oh. there. And if it was, it, it would be <laughs> no. like a post-it note somewhere. Yeah, it would be like the size of uh, NYCFC's MLS uh, <laughs> Cup banner. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, y- you know, that doesn't go on the resume. and uh, And I don't think that is something that, meaningfully changes the discussion in terms of whether the season is a success. And frankly, anything we know, I mean, one of the fundamental rules of, of sort of knockout soccer of tournament soccer is you can't get killed on set pieces, right? Because in knockout games, and, and this is basically true of every soccer tournament ever, whether it's the world cup or world cup qualifying or, the MLS cup playoffs or champions league basically true across the board set pieces are huge in those kinds of one-off games. They decide them all the time. And if you're bad at defending set pieces, if you are conceding set pieces regularly, it's going to be a short experience. The, the thing that was remarkable about the timbers, one of the things that was remarkable about the timbers in 2021 and their second half uh, rise and their trip through through the MLS Cup playoffs is that they didn't concede a set piece from basically the month of July until MLS Cup. They didn't concede on a single one between the 6-2 loss to the Sounders and MLS Cup. That's how important it is. And you can defend perfectly. You can defend brilliantly from open play. If you don't defend set pieces well, you're not a good defensive team and you're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. And that's where the Timbers are. You, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's a charitable description of how they defend from open play, but that's where the Timbers are. They, they are not a competent set piece defending team right now. Right. And I think and in they general, got absolutely steamrolled on, on the one that, that was ostensibly a Chara own goal. Yeah, that was, that was brutal. And I think generally they haven't defended terribly well. Um, they haven't been in, in strong defensive form. Um, I think they've, They've had some lucky breaks. They've had some excellent play from Alyazievic that's made up for it. Um, I look at, you know, what they've been choosing to do uh, in central defense lately. 
um, sticking with with Zuperich and Mabiala, uh, and then having um, Tui Loma out there as well, uh, kind of kind of moving Van Rankin out of the picture a little bit. Um, I think at times it's worked, but what really stood out in a short rest game like the one against Dallas was just how slow Mabiala was and how difficult structurally it was for, for the Timbers to, to play in, in the formation they were in and in terms of um, defending what FC Dallas does as, as a young, spry, exciting team with, with some talented, young, attacking players. Um, and, and that has as mobile a front line maybe as there is in, in MLS. Right. Um, all those folks can move around. Ariel gets around. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, his movement really is sort of his his best attribute. Um, and so basically everybody along the FC Dallas front line is 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 really mobile. And it's kind of a matchup nightmare in many ways for the Timbers back line. It is. And, um, you know, I, I think that the eventual arrival of Juan David Mosquera will be great, but there's no way he's like an immediate contributor uh, in a team for a team that he's going to take a while to adjust to and take a while to get to, you know, the, the American immigration system is, is notoriously sluggish and unhelpful <laughs> and not, uh, not efficient in any way. Um, and there are nine games left and there are only nine maybe games 10. left, maybe 10, maybe 10, <laughs> maybe 10 to, you know, be slightly pessimistic about the timbers chances right now it looks like a maximum of 10 games <laughs> left in the timber season so yeah i yeah. mean he's not going to make a material difference no and he's he's a future piece he's he's the type where you know when they signed santiago moreno he didn't contribute immediately but um you envision him potentially having that type of impact in a best case scenario where he, he turns into somebody who you're like all right we can build around this guy for the future um you know, we'll, we'll see as far as other additional signings this off season, but, um, in, in the, in the right now, in the current state of affairs for the Timbers, uh, this is who you're running with like a, a kind of aging, pretty inconsistent roster that, um, you know, clearly has some holes. I, I think that there are, they're a well-coached team. I, I think that geo has, probably gotten the best out of out of this group in in a lot of stretches this season um but you know there's only so much you can do at, at a certain point with with a team that that seems like it's on the back end of its uh contention window uh it, it's more of a fighting into the playoffs type of type of scenario for for portland at this point yeah and the thing that's frustrating is is i'm not even sure i'd use the verb fighting oh I, I mean, I go back to that last set piece that Dallas scored on. There wasn't a lot of fight <laughs> in the way the Timbers defended that set, that set piece. Matt had, I mean, so the, uh, Dario Zuperich was, was matched up man-to-man against Matt Hedges. When, th- this is, this is going to be a, a broad generalization. So, you know, nerds, don't come at me because I'm not dealing in nuance here. <laughs> but when you're when you're when you're matched up man to man in 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 a, in a corner kick situation in particular. You basically have two jobs. Um one and and these are these are uh, the the first job and this is always the most important job is go get the ball. Um go get your head on the ball. The second or whatever body part you need short whatever legal body part you can go go get that on the ball. Uh, the second, though, and and it, it's it 
it, it's a really important job is to not let your man get where he wants to go. Not let your opponent get, get where they want to go is, is the, the other imperative. Hedges just walked completely away, completely unimpeded from Dario Zuperic. Uh, and, and <laughs> he got exactly where he wanted to go, which was to push Diego Chara off the near post and to open up that space. And then in, in, and and what that did is it put Chara in a worse position and he basically put Chara out of position to be able to clear a ball at the near post so that he had to try to try to somehow get ahead on it, which is what he did. And it was a little bit unlucky in how it came off. But if Chara doesn't, there were like three Dallas guys that were in position to dunk it, um, which is why anybody pointing at Diego Chara is, is, is just wrong. Um, you know, because if Diego Chara doesn't get ahead on that, somebody else from Dallas almost certainly dunks it because they had ample position. And there was nobody from the Timbers who was in a position to intervene. Um, and so unless the Timbers got lucky again and Dallas, you know, just just didn't take advantage of of the opportunity that was more or less a dunk um, with a good ball in from Ferreira, uh, you know, it, it was it was very likely to be a goal regardless. Um, and when you see that level of of a breakdown, you see one of their primary set piece targets on whom you're putting one of your best defenders matching up one V one get wherever he wants to go. And then you're seeing multiple attacking players getting into position where clearly they wanted to go to a near near post ball. You just got crushed. And look, I mean, think back to the game against, uh, against Nashville, how many first balls, did Nashville win? How many first balls did just Walker Zimmerman win? And look, Walker Zimmerman wins a lot of headers. He wins a lot of headers against every team in MLS. He wins a lot of headers against every national team that the U.S. men's national team plays. He's really, really good at that. But how many first balls did they win on set pieces and their stupid long throws? They're stupid, but you can score goals off of them, especially when you've got a team that's pretty passive about winning that first ball like the Timbers are. And so, you know, I mean, and, and at, at the end of the day, I mean, coaches say this all the time, um, especially when you're being, you know, pretty straightforward in the way you're schematically defending a set piece. It's frankly about fight. And either the Timbers aren't fighting particularly hard or they're losing an, inord- an inordinate number of those fights um, to, to, to get to that ball. And, uh, and, and to not allow the opponents get to get where they want to go. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that is really problematic. Uh, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about, you know, after the Timbers had that good run of form where they won, what was it? Three or four or four or five, something like that. Um, and sort of at the beginning of this 10 game unbeaten stretch that has turned, turned stagnant. Um, we talked about how, you know, I mean, they got up to what, 1.3 points per game or so, which is basically where they are now. And and sort of noted, this has been a great stretch. It's sort of gotten the Timbers back in the race. But, you know, I think uh, the way I, I put it then was 1.3 points per game ain't shoot, right? 
Like <laughs> that doesn't go on the resume. That certainly doesn't go on the resume. No, it would be barely enough in, in the best case scenario for them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's, if you get lucky, you get in the playoffs. That's not even consistently playoff position. That's if you get lucky, you get in as the seventh seed. Um, they've been playing like 1.3 points per game goes on the resume. Uh, the last few weeks they've been playing like, like that's where they want to be. Like, that's okay. Like that's pretty good. And, um, and, and with a decided lack of urgency and, you know, I mean, they've got a tough road to hoe now. Uh, they've got a number of tough games. They've got, they've got a game against Austin. They've got a game against the LAFC. They've got to go to Toronto FC now. Um, they've got Seattle at home, although the Sounders have been struggling quite a bit, but that's going to be a tough game. I don't think anybody thinks otherwise. And so in this last nine game stretch, they, they've, they've got some challenging tasks. I think they finish with LAFC at home and then RSL away in a game that I think is reasonably likely to have really significant stakes for RSL to probably be existential for at least one, if not both of those teams. Oh, and so they've got, they, this was, this was the soft part of their schedule and they just blew it, which isn't good. Should have done better. No doubt. Uh, we will move on. It's too hot. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm, I'm full you're getting, of reductive yeah, takes that I can talk about for you're a getting long time. a little ragey, man. It's okay. It's it was only a hundred <laughs> yesterday. It's back down to like 91 or 92 today. It'll, it'll be all right. 93. Let's, let's not give it more credit than it okay, deserves. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> Let's not do that in any aspect of our analysis here, be it the weather or uh, soccer related. Uh, 92 is what uh, what my telephone says for Beaverton, at least. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Beaverton, Oregon, my hometown. Shout out to Beaverton, Oregon. N- nice. Li- my hometown as well. Where'd you go to high school? Have we talked about this? People yeah, find this we did. Boring. No, we, this is a- yeah, this is extremely boring, but we did talk about this, I believe on the first podcast. You're a sunset guy. I'm a yeah, Westview guy. That's right. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. Of course. So there's course. some inherent tension there that, you know, we, we try not to talk about it in front of the kids type of thing. Uh, but there's, there's an inherent that's right. tension. That's right. Um, so, uh, downtown Bearden has really come alive since, since my childhood. It truly has. You know, I, I was yeah. recently, uh, in that area, uh, just out at a, at a wine bar in that, uh, general vicinity. And there are so many more, you know, restaurants and bars and, and, you know, there's life downtown Beaverton used to be kind of desolate in in some respects. There's like a one block radius in downtown Beaverton that's got like everything you need. There's there, like a Furies there. Uh, the They've got Big's Chicken, which is great. Uh, they've got Ex Novo, Loyal Legion, Top Burmese, which is phenomenal. Sizzle, and sizzle they've got, Pies they've there. Got ro- sizzle Pies there. Yeah, Top Burmese has robot servers. It's awesome. It's like R2-D2 brings you your food. Oh, man. Uh, I've been talking about going to Top yeah. Burmese lately. And, and you know, the fact that they have that like futuristic robot server thing going on just makes me want to go there more. It's great. I mean, kind of dystopian uh, and probably spells bad things for, you know, the economy. Sure. But it's awesome. Yeah. No, all the labor issues aside, I'm sure that's probably (laughs) a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. Um, But moving on to the thorns here uh, on Soccer Made in Portland. Shouts to downtown Beaverton. Shout out to downtown Beaverton. Much better week than for downtown Beaverton than for the Timbers. No doubt. Uh, Things keep on getting better in the beef. Um, the thorns, however, if we're, if we're moving back into our soccer discussion here, um, a two to one win over racing or Rossing Louisville 
FC Rossing, Rossing, sure, whatever. Um, on <laughs> on the 29th of July, and then a uh, truly odd and and in some ways regressive three to three draw against a, a North Carolina Courage team that's not really very good. Um, it reminded me a lot, and, and I was discussing this with some other folks. Uh, in the press box uh, at the Timbers game uh, most recently. It reminded me a lot of how... Uh, can I finish your sentence for you? Yes. Because I think I, I know where you're going. Uh, the game against the Wave. Yes, exactly. It was literally <laughs> exactly that. San Diego Wave game in the Challenge Cup. Uh, it was it was almost the identical scenario. And beyond yep. just the confines of that specific game, um, that is how Portland kind of looked early in the season. You saw the flashes of serious potential to, to be great, but they couldn't play a full 90. They, w- they would kind of take the foot off the proverbial gas pedal in, in the second half of those games, and it, it bit them uh, in, in a lot of those scenarios. Um, th- this was a lot like that, and, and um, you know, Rian Wilkinson and company are, are going to be fine. They have a massive goal differential, plus 20, which is like double the next best in, in the league, and I think they're going to finish strong with everybody healthy and back here. Um, Mangus is still on the mend. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Crystal Dunn coming into the fold relatively soon, uh, although no specific date, and nobody's obviously going to rush her back. Uh, but bringing those two back in, into the fold, I think, is going to be um, be key to to this late run. This game specifically, though, against North Carolina – you have a strong first half. You feel like you're really dominating. And then things start to essentially fall apart. Um, and, and that's been rare for this Thorns team. They've, they've been playing full 90s, whether they get the W out of it or not. They've been playing strong full 90s for several months now. And they've shown themselves to be the best team in NWSL. I think that this probably qualifies more as a hiccup than a than a poor tense of of regression or doom as far as this team goes. But um, one of the highlights I think that we can take out of it is that Sophia Smith's greatness continues to to be a thing. Uh, both she and Alex Morgan are, are tied with eleven goals apiece at the top of the um, goal scoring leaders in NWSL. Uh, both on a record pace, by the way, in terms of goals per game. One per game is is pretty insane (laughs) for for both of them, uh, 11 games in. Um, And and both, I think, among the leaders for NWSL MVP. If Sophia Smith wins it, uh, Crystal Dunn will be happy, but she will also have a little sadness in that she will cede the title of youngest ever player to win NWSL MVP. Um, Dunn did it for the spirit way back when, uh, when she was 23 years old, uh, Sophia Smith, if she wins it this year, will be 21 as an MVP, which is like serious superstar territory. You know, I, I, and now she's dribbling like three opponents to, to score goals. It's just getting, it's silly. getting crazy. You know, the other day, uh, and, and this was said in a semi facetious tone to my, to my brother, but I, I was talking about this with my brother about how great she is. I was like, um, maybe people should start calling her the Coloradan Messi, you know, given given the the domination <laughs> and dribbling no. past oh, people no. that she is she is putting uh, putting out there. You know, she her goal scoring, her consistent, just unstoppable 
uh, abilities and skill have been potentially earning that nickname. I don't know. Maybe maybe that becomes a thing. Maybe I'm just trying to make myself more important than I am on a podcast. Or should we call Messi the Argentine Soap? I think that would be more fair. I think that at, uh, yeah, she's yeah. He he is the Argentine Sophia people, Smith. I I, I just want to I just want to make clear. I implore people listening to this podcast not to call Sophia Smith the Colorado Messi. That's just my you know. That you're. I'm full of salty takes today. I'm I'm putting the kibosh. You're on. you're entitled to that opinion. I don't I I don't agree with you. But uh, I I think people should should strongly consider um, using phrases like that. Sure, it's a little hyperbolic, but you know we we live in times where you know it's okay to you be a little hyperbolic every now and then, as long as you're not <laughs> harming people, right? I don't think that harms anybody. So you know, do what you want. That's what I say. Chris, Chris is a little more cynical than I am, but um, that's folks can okay. vote in the comments uh, whether they're pro Colorado and Messi, you know what? or anti. I'm, I'm going to post a Twitter poll. Are, are you going to put a yeah, poll? Yeah, when in we're there? done, I think I like honestly, I'm going to crush you. In this I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I'm I mean, yes, but you know, <laughs> that that's fine by me. I, I, I'll stand by it. Screw it. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but, but the team overall, let's just get back to, to the thorns generally. Um, you know, structurally, they're very sound. They're very deep. Uh, the, the young players who got their opportunities during that international window, uh, are reliable when they come in people like Olivia Moultrie and others who, uh, you know what you're going to get out of them. Uh, they're filling in at really nice ball from Moultrie on the third. Yes. Yes. Way. That was excellent. Um, and, and I think that people like her have earned more opportunities as a result of their excellent play. Um, this, this is a thorns team that I, I believe is, is going to be right there with an opportunity to win it all in NWSL this year. Um, and they've continued to show why this, this may obviously be a hiccup, but in the coming weeks, we will, we will, I think, start to see um, a team rounding into a level of form that we haven't seen before. Uh, the WICC is is coming up. Uh, first game on August 17th. Um, I'll be there to cover it and very excited to do so. Um, CF Monterey is going to be the first team that the Thorns play against. And, you know, assuming Portland wins that game, assuming, uh, they they'll take on either Lyon or Chelsea in the championship match on August twentieth, uh, and no matter who you're facing in that scenario, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think Thorns fans would like it to be Lyon uh, for obvious reasons. Just just get a little you know personal narrative, uh, former Thorn vibes going with uh, yes, with that. Yes. Um, so it'll be old friends. old friends will be there in the tournament regardless of who Portland plays in a potential championship match, but. Um, Really exciting, I think, for uh, the club and for the city to be hosting this event again, um, and an opportunity for the Thorns to showcase their greatness on on an international stage, and for the NWSL to continue to insist itself as as one of the best leagues in the world uh, against these really exciting, compelling, talented teams who have shown themselves on on big stages on national TV in the last several months to, to be really fun to watch. So I, I think Portland soccer fans are, should be giddy about the opportunity to, to go watch these clubs. So I think the, the draw against North Carolina was discouraging or not discouraging, disappointing um, in, in the short term, 
for you know all the obvious reasons that you talked about. I, I don't think there's there's a ton to you know raise enormous red flags about out of the game. Um, there there is not sort of a, a timbers like pattern of having a glaring weakness that that that's biting them. Um, and you know I I as I as I kind of you know processed my emotions about the processed my disappointment uh, uh about about the result. Certainly, this is one that 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 how the thorns come out of it is going to be determined by the thorns and whether, you know, it's a hiccup that turns into a choke, uh, or whether it's, uh, it's a, a hiccup that sort of serves as a little bit of a shot across the bow, uh, that, that sort of propels them in, into the, into the, into the home stretch is the question. And frankly, given what we've seen from the team, given the way that they've bounced back off of, you know, a couple disappointments early in the season, uh, to, to put together stronger runs of form. And frankly, everything we've seen from Reen Wilkinson, who is throwing an absolute blinder of a first, uh, 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 of a debut season in charge of the thorns. Uh, there's every reason to believe that it, that it's going to be uh, a bounce back, but they do need to take it as that charge. Uh, they do need to take it as kind of an, okay, because I mean, I, I think it looked frankly based on a lot of, recent performances like at two zero up at halftime, very nearly three zero. If I think it was sync, it doesn't get cleared off the line. Um, at, at two zero up, they looked like they thought it was going to be another walk away. Like they've had in the recent past. And it wasn't and credit to the courage for sticking in the game. Uh, even though they've been having a really tough season, uh, credit to them for, for t- sticking in the game and, 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 and battling their way back. Credit to the Thorns for not letting it get further away. And, and you know, I mean, a lot of that was a really nice goal from Sophia Smith uh, that was set up by a really nice feed from Olivia Moultrie. Um, you know, so, the but at the end uh, of, but, you know, I, I didn't see anything in this game that made me think, oh, no, they're a bit of a paper tiger. Um, I think the Thorns are a very real tiger. They're still top of the league in points with a game in hand. Uh, and, you know, so the, the disappointment I think can and should be pretty confined to, to one result, but, and especially going to a spirit team now uh, that has struggled to say the least, although the spirit do have strangely nine draws. Uh, they, they actually might be Washington might be draw city USA. Uh notwithstanding Portland's Portland's impeccable uh draw credentials uh the, the the spirit have have drawn more than half their games they've one win i think they're they're 1 5 and and 9 uh if i'm remembering that right from the the standings that i was looking at uh before the show to 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 uh to prepare um but you know i i think it's 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 something that they have to make that reality to make sure that it is a hiccup and not a choke. Yeah. You look like you're about to correct my No, numbers. no, I'm not going to correct your numbers. They have they have a lot of draws. <laughs> I I wanted to add a point that may be uh, a reason for that um that that I I think deserves at least minimal um acknowledgement or discussion in that the the spirit um they they share Audi Field with uh with Washington in the MLS side. Um but DC United, I should say. I, I don't know why. For yeah. some reason, I forgot the name of Washington. DC United. Yeah, the 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 Washington Football Club. 
perhaps would be Washington FC. Maybe they're they're gonna yeah. Well, well, FC Washington or FT Washington was a different thing. Yes, before they became the Commanders. Terrible. Yeah, thing. really. Yeah, go commies. Um. So the <laughs> the point, the overarching point is that uh, you know the spirit share Audi Field uh, with DC United for part of the season and more than half this year of the spirits home games are played at Sagra field in Leesburg, Virginia. Leesburg is about a 45 minute to an hour drive, depending on traffic outside of the DC area. Whereas Audi field is in DC proper. Um, it's ridiculous to me that they are, are put in, um, in that stadium scenario, which in previous years, as has been reported by you know Jonathan Tannenwald and others, didn't even meet NWSL standards. Uh, Loudon FC plays there. Uh, Loudon County, the wealthiest uh, county in the United States. Um, so so one could call uh, Loudon. Nice yeah, bit a little bit of trivia there. Uh, Loudon United could be maybe the Chelsea of uh, the USL, if you will. Uh, if, if we're, if we're doing comparisons, that is, that is a, an extremely charitable description of DC United second, <laughs> extremely charitable yes, only because of how wealthy the fans are. It has absolutely nothing to do with what goes on on the pitch, but back to the larger overarching point, um, how wealthy the neighbors are. I wouldn't say how wealthy the fans. Are. No, maybe the fans necessarily aren't, uh, <laughs> aren't coming in in their top hats and, and what have you, uh, monocles. and monocles. Just, yeah. Just all, all basically the, the monopoly. Yeah, basically, they're not all the monopoly man or woman. <laughs> so, um, Sagerfield, not an ideal atmosphere, probably not a whole heck of a lot of fans driving out that far to, to, See the spirit. I I would imagine that in some ways that contributes to to them um, not necessarily living up to expectations this season. Can we just say it? They deserve to on a day where there's nothing else happening at Audi Field play at Audi Field. There is no conflict, to my understanding, for this game against the Thorns that's coming up this week uh, on Wednesday. Uh, just put them at Audi Field, man. Have have the fans go somewhere that's easy to get to and doesn't require a 45-minute toll road drive into Northern Virginia. I have nothing meaningful to add to this point, which I think is a perfectly meaningful and meritorious point. But I am going to add that I thought about this exact issue this last weekend when I was traveling because when I got to the Boise airport at 6 in the morning yesterday, I looked up and on like the TV playing at one of the airport bars that was inexplicably open at six in the morning uh, was an ultimate Frisbee game being played at Audi Field. <laughs> I was just like, you made time for this. No disrespect to ultimate Frisbee. Super fun game. Uh, super cool game. Like ultimate a lot. We do not uh, want to anger made the space for the ultimate. Team. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to anger the ultimate community. Shout out to them. Um, that's right. Yeah. I do not want to put the ultimate community in the same box as Spokane and Tacoma and the other people who, whom I've, uh, insulted on this podcast. You got any cities you, Big ultimate you hate game, this week? You know, I, I, I touched briefly on Grant's pass on Twitter Aww. this last week. I feel like I was slightly unfairly maligned because I made clear that I think Grant's pass is a perfectly nice town. I was just pointing out that it was a little bit funny. That, you know, Dan Lanning kind of, you know, was like, oh, Oregon, I've fallen in love with the place. So I bit, went down to Grants Pass. And I was just, you know, that, that's not exactly the first place that comes to mind when people are like, Oregon, it's amazing, Grants Pass. I, I don't know. Um, uh, but, yes. I, I, you know, 
it's it's a deep cut, but it's a good cut. Grants Pass is a nice town. The Rogue River is beautiful. Oh, yeah, Southern Oregon is, is, is very cool. Lots of respect. Enjoy the region, uh, but it's it's just not like you know, sure not without its like shortcomings Finn or the coast or, or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not the crown jewel. Like you know, we yeah. love our Southern Oregon listeners. Don't get me wrong. There's probably at least how many. There's Southern probably Oregon at least seven of you, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> less. <laughs> but your 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 second your second poll can be over under on the number of Southern Oregon listeners. Yeah, we the have. poll will be: uh, Do you live in Southern Oregon? Seven. Yes or no? And it'll be like ninety nine point nine percent yes or no. And and wow, yeah, that was, zero, I was going to say that's zero point one percent yes. Um, that would that would really make me need to need to rethink the weather made in Portland section uh, segment, right? Because if ninety nine percent of our listeners were in were in Southern Oregon, first of all, amazing that they've stuck in on a podcast this long where we talk about the weather in Portland. Right. Oh, but uh, but yeah, maybe we should maybe we should introduce a weather made in Grants Pass section. Why not? Let's uh, let's look <laughs> up the weather right now in Grants Pass. <clears throat> I'm going to guess it's too hot because that's just my, my take generally uh, about the weather. Uh, but I, I do not want to put, uh, you know, the ultimate Frisbee community uh, in, in with those folks because I like ultimate Frisbee. It's a cool game. High of 95 uh, today in Grants Pass. Slightly hot. hotter than uh, up here in the Willamette Valley. Yeah, just too hot. Oh, but... Uh, but yeah, I you know I did, I was like man they 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 made time for the ultimate frisbee folks, but they can't make time for the spirit, uh, and that is that's kind of been been the spirit's existence unfortunately uh, in Washington. More immediately for the Thorns though, it's an important game uh, as is every game when you're in a battle for the for the shield, uh, and 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 it's an important one for the Thorns to to go. It's an opportunity really for them uh, to get full points against a team though that hasn't surrendered full points. Uh, very often, often not to their own benefit. Uh, a lot of Pyrrhic victories for the spirit this year. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's one of those games that, that I think could prove that the second half against the courage was just a hiccup. Um, and, and not the start of a, of a disappointing stretch. I think that's, that's the more likely outcome based on everything that we've seen to date, but that's why they play the games. Absolutely. And, and before we move on to, to some, uh, listener questions, which we received on Twitter. There's a, a small piece of breaking news to share here on the podcast. Nothing earth shattering, but uh, the Portland Timbers just announced that the match against Toronto FC scheduled for this Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time will now be broadcast on Root Sports. There was a scheduling conflict that some folks had expressed concerns about uh, on Fox 12 Plus. Uh, that will now be alleviated by the broadcast appearing on Root Sports. So if you're one of those lucky few people in this town who has has that channel and can watch the Portland Trailblazers, uh, you can now also watch the Portland Timbers on that channel for at least this uh, this next game against Toronto on Saturday. I was about to track you because podcasts are perhaps the worst possible medium for breaking news. Um uh, that, however, is like that's that's like podcast appropriate breaking news. That is exactly the level of breaking news that should be. Yeah, uh, that is appropriate for the podcast. Media. Yeah, not everybody's going to see that uh, that on on Twitter uh, in these next couple of days. So I, I think that we're we're okay to to break that news. Um, so so let's yes. get into the yes. questions here. Um, we we got some some fun uh, replies uh, to to our tweet asking for uh, some Timbers and Thorns related questions. And, and the first comes from Timbers Army, Gorge Core 
at GorgeCore on Twitter. Um, if you could do an hour plus interview with any current Timbers player, who and why? Um, having recently spoken to Alyazevicic um, at, at length about his motivations and everything else, uh, I honestly feel like for me it would be him right now. Um, uh, I, th- I think that a um, he, he's got some interesting stories of, of his life and is a very irreverent and funny figure. And and I kind of want to know what he like does in his free time. You know, I, I could very easily find that out since it is indeed my job to go to these um, these practices and games and and shoot the shoot with people as uh as shoot as shoot. chris reifer might say but um you know i i i like well as i think he's a great personality another one um that comes to mind for me uh would be yaroslav nizgoda uh, there's a, a level of dry humor there um maybe i just like funny people maybe i just like funny eastern european <laughs> people but um I think that he would be a fun one to, to really get into um, a conversation with about life and his philosophy on things. And I wonder what he does in his free time. So that's, that's, those would be the two that I would enjoy. First of all, I want to point out that I really like the premise of the question because uh, you, uh, Ryan, are somebody who you're a serious person who does a serious job and, and like actually does things. And there's just like an element of like, Ryan, if you were to do your job, like actually do it. <laughs> How would you do it? <laughs> Which I, I enjoy. I really like that. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's Diego Char. Uh, uh, I, I think there there haven't been, uh, for, I mean, obvious reasons, I'm not blaming anybody, uh, but there hasn't been sort of kind of that level of extended exposure uh, to, to Chara and the opportunity to kind of have an extended conversation with him uh, in his time. And I think that would be an important, you know, I mean, that, I think that would be a nice thing to have. Uh, of sort of an extended, fulsome conversation uh, with Chara, given given his, his significance with the club, his longevity, uh, obviously, uh, his excellence in MLS is the the best D mid in MLS history. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just gonna, you know, give that as a take, uh, and and I'll defend that sucker. That that for me is is uh, you know your your insistence on on Colorado Messi for you. Uh, if we're if there's a hill that both of us are dying on in this podcast, I feel good about my hill. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be great. Uh, and it, it you know we certainly have gotten to know Chara pretty well over the years, and 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 he is he has been out there. He's not an unknown figure by any means. But it's a different thing to have sort of a fulsome conversation and, a, and an extended conversation with somebody uh, that uh, that I don't think he's done. Uh, and it would be cool to see. But that's that's sort of a suspending reality if if if. if you know, ifs and buts were candy and, and other stuff, um, then, uh, <laughs> didn't want to be mis- misunderstood with that, that phrase. So I, I skipped the end. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 in an, in an ideal world, if, if that would happen, I, I would tune in for that podcast. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I, I think that he's, he's got a lot to say. Um, and, and, um, given that he's a, a beloved club legend, um, I, I think that people would absolutely be interested to hear from him. Um, especially as his career comes comes into an end uh, in the next couple of years, who knows when that'll be? He could play another like five and and probably still be effective. But you know, not everybody has the level of fitness that uh, Mr. Diego Chara has. Yeah, not everybody plays for Shangri La FC <laughs> um, like Diego Chara. That's so. true. Um, 
question from Marty Gould. Uh, yesterday, Mike Donovan tweeted that the Timbers don't have any field players with prior MLS experience, yesterday being uh, three days ago yesterday. Um, that seems pretty unusual compared to other clubs for them to have uh, no field players with prior MLS experience. Um, is that unusual? And is signing imports and draft picks a sustainable recipe for success? I think that the way that things are now uh, in MLS, it is a bit unusual, but um, you know, Portland has sustained a level of success the last several years that rivals any team in MLS. Um, is it sustainable? we're starting to see inklings of that potentially not being the case uh, as this roster continues to age. And as so much money is tied up into these specific players um, and there doesn't seem to be as much of a um, foundation as far as uh, an Academy and as far as young players coming up through the ranks as there might be for other teams in, in MLS. Um, they don't have as much money to throw around as an LAFC who's who's spending big every which way. Um, and, and they've kind of done it a different way, but they've still had success. And, and so while you can't discredit the past success, you can look at it as, as the league continues to change and think, is this sustainable? Can they do this into the next five years? I, I think they have a lot of good young players to build around now. Um, you look at people like David Ajala, uh, Santiago Moreno, um, and Juan David Mascara coming in as well, Marvin Loria, others that um, that I think that you could build around in the future if you can keep them around. Um, so is it sustainable? We'll see in the next couple of years. So I've actually kind of changed my perspective on this. I used to be basically in your camp of saying I, I, I don't think it's sustainable. Um I think the Timbers don't get enough credit for the job that they have done being more consistent than most in bringing in international talent. Uh, I think the Timbers international scouting network and their ability to identify players and bring them in. And I'm not talking even necessarily about sort of the, just the top level signings. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, they have done a good job of pretty consistently identifying talent outside the United States, recruiting it and bringing it in and getting it incorporated. And that's why they've, they've, you know, gone, as we were discussing before, uh, <laughs> gone to three finals in seven years and, and have an MLS's back trophy, um, uh, to show for it. And, and they've, they've continued to do it. Um, uh, that's not to say that every single international signing has been a hit. Of course not. That, that, that's not how, how it's been. Uh, and that's not how it is for anybody. But when you look around the league, uh, I think the fact that the Timbers have had so much success with so many different uh, players um, coming in from abroad, uh, I, I think that shows that they've clearly sort of chosen this lane in terms of roster construction, and they've done well with it. And I'm not sure that there's, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of reason to think that that can't continue. Um, you know, as, as the finances of MLS change, uh, I don't think there's any reason to think that, that MLS team shopping on the international market, uh, is, is going to become any less important. I think the Timbers are at a disadvantage, uh, by not having a reliable Academy pipeline. And I think that's something that they should remedy because I think that's an important part of the pipeline, but the Timbers have done well with, with this approach. Oh, um, and, uh, and you know, I, I don't, see any reason to think that the next wave of international signings 
will be any less successful uh, than the prior ones. And so is it sustainable? Yeah. Are the tim- Is it expensive? Yeah. Uh, I, I think the if the timbers are going to want to continue to do it, they're going to have to spend a decent amount of money uh, to do it, uh, you know, in, in the near term and, and, and in the long term. Uh, but, but they've done well with it in, in the past. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I think there's every reason to think, uh, that they can continue doing so. Would it be the way I would choose to do it? No. Um, uh, but I also think that they are entitled to credit for the success that they've had. Yeah. And I think in choosing to go that route, they've been successful and, and there's really no, no disputing that at, the, at this point, given how the last few years have gone. Um, you answered this on Twitter, but, uh, Noel asks, uh, is Saturday a must win for the Timbers? I agree with you. Yes. Yes. But expectations, you know, I don't expect them to win because it's on the road at a Toronto team that has really turned it around. Yeah. And I don't know if I would say the Toronto game is, is a must win. I think it's the kind of game where anything you get out of it is, is a bonus because that's not the game that you're expecting to win. But the Timbers have put themselves in a poor position now because a couple of the games that on the form chart, you would, you would color green, you would, you would, you know, say those are three points that the Timbers should, should get. They haven't. And so now they need to find points in places where, you wouldn't expect them to. And, and this is one of those, one of those games, but do I expect, you know, I mean, did, would I, would I say that, that this is an indispensable kind of a game to go after? Not yet. Uh, and I think it's still sort of an, anything you can get as a bonus, um, or helps make up for the, the, some of the prior stumbles. Um, but it's certainly in every, every game now is, is an important game. Um, every game as, as some would say is a final. So yeah. a must win or a can't lose. So that's the classic uh, scenario. But um, Shrek and PDX writes, uh, whose improvement has been more important to the Timbers' good run of form lately? Um, Alias Ivacic or Yaroslav Nizgoda? Um, between the two, overall, that is a good question. I think I think Ivacic has been phenomenal and has saved their butts on many numerous occasions. But if we're taking the whole picture since since the mid-break, I would say Nizgoda because the the – gap between where he was prior to the break and where he's been since is massive. And he's been um, his run of form, particularly in those first several games out of the break uh, was so good that it propelled them to, to where they are. I I don't think they would be in this middling territory. Even I think they'd still be kind of close to the bottom were it not for um, his ability to finish and his efficiency and, and his quality that he's shown. I think he's dropped off a little bit the last few games. Uh, and Aliaz has, has kind of taken center stage to me as the most important player. Um, but overall, looking at these last 10 games undefeated, I, I would say Yarrow by a slim margin. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's not necessarily because of anything that, that Nishkot has done as, as opposed to Ivicic. It's just because of the context. Um, with Mora going down and, and not really having an opportunity to to come in and and contribute because of his knee issues, uh, uh, it, it the Timbers would be up a crook without a paddle uh, if it weren't for Nijgoda coming into better form. Uh, you know, and I, I think there's a decent argument to be to be made that if Ivicic wasn't playing as well, they they might be uh, they they might be uh, in in that kind of condition as well. But um, but I also give just a slight edge uh, because of the context of things going around him to Nijgoda. For sure. Um, so the final question that we received um, or that I will be answering or we will be answering at least today 
uh, is will there be a parting five minutes at the end of the show devoted to the 76 challenge, which occurred at the uh, August 3rd match for the Timbers uh, where they where they played Nashville? Um, the, the person in question, I, I don't remember their name. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't name them because I don't want to you know shame them. But I'm going to shame them a little bit because only Spokane gets shamed yes, on this only podcast. Spokane and occasionally parts of Southern Oregon get shamed on this podcast. But I did not shame parts of Southern Oregon. I just want to be very clear about that. I think Southern Oregon is beautiful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the 76 challenge that, that occurred during that Nashville game uh, was a truly putrid effort overall. If we're going to be completely honest, um, my guy keep kept uh, kicking it to, to his left um, he's a right-footed player, um, if we want to use the word player, um, and and missed the penalty kick one like friggin' like six times in a row, um, and finally got one on target, and then started making the same mistake again, and, and the slightly further away one, finally got one in on target, barely had enough time to to get back to midfield and attempt like one from midfield and of course it goes left to his left i should say not keeper left um the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over with and expecting different (laughs) results um not ascribing any level of of sanity or lack thereof to the individual that participated in that 76 challenge but i will say uh, a truly abysmal effort all around and that's not discounting the fact that this is actually a pretty hard challenge um, for anybody. We're, yeah, kicking a soccer ball, kicking a soccer ball into a goal from midfield. And, and these are not soccer balls. If, you, if you're not a soccer player, yeah, it's these really, are like these are, are like are, halfway between a soccer ball and a balloon. I mean, they're very light and airy, and not nearly as easy to kick as a soccer ball. If you put just yeah, soccer balls out there, it would have been way easier. That's probably true. Um, yeah. So, so got to acknowledge that as far as the difficulty but i mean if you're getting booed and you're doing the halftime entertainment that's rough that's very rough that's all i got to say about that i'm unsure where to go on this uh other than i am going to use it sort of shamelessly as an opportunity to uh to point to my favorite moment of the mls weekend where i thought this performance was somewhat on par with Keelini's handball in LAFC's game this last week where uh, it was a ball over the top <laughs> over the top of him that he just straight up reached up and like volleyball set like like both hands over his head like a volleyball two hands. set I just uh, two hands <laughs> it was it was something special he only got a yellow card for it which like come on <laughs> if that's not a red <laughs> <laughs> then what what are we what are we playing like i don't even care what what like the 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 ever evolving uh handball rules uh say about how that should be punished that should be a red card uh absolutely i mean i i think there was uh, a semi credible dogso shout on it i don't know i i probably wouldn't call it dogso i would just call it an incredibly egregious red card but even more importantly because i i I will go ahead and then say that the 76 Challenger performance was the second worst, uh, <laughs> worst sort of uh, momentary performance uh, of the week uh, to Chiellini's uh, handball. Uh, can you imagine? Can you even just begin to imagine what the reaction would be if 
Tyler Adams did that for Leeds. If it was an American player that did that abroad, can you imagine the 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 just eruption uh, of of you know uh, of takes that would? Come I think from every that. American in uh, the United Kingdom would instantly be deported if something like that happened. Yeah, and and you know we're we laugh about it because you know I, I think Americans are a little more casual about soccer and you know. We, we get real stingy and annoying about unwritten rules in baseball um, and written rules. This is obviously a written rule. <laughs> you can't touch the ball with your hands. <laughs> it is, I mean, the writing changes all the time, but this is, this this is, is like a the one rule, thing that like you for sure cannot do is, is volleyball spike the ball with two hands. And then the reaction yeah. to it generally isn't <laughs> a, wow, this guy's disrespectful. He's disrespecting the game. It's just like, Haha, ha, funny old Italian man did, did came to America and did a thing you're not supposed to do. So the op, the reaction in England or really anywhere else would definitely be just if, if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be just like just a, a, a tsunami of of sort of American soccer disrespect. They run them out of town. Uh, whereas it, whereas in this instance, I think people are reacting to it correctly, being like, haha, lol, point and laugh. Uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, also maybe some, some like head scratching about, should that just be a red card? Feels like it should just right. be. A I'm honestly card. surprised that like Zlatan never did something like that when he was, when he was over here, he, he, he found ways to, to, uh, troll and sometimes disrespect American soccer. Um, but that that's like another level. Like I got to give Keelani credit for, for memeing himself into, into MLS lore. That was the on-field equivalent of calling Perry Kitchen Kevin. That was just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, that is, that is Keelini's, that is Keelini's uh, Kevin. Yeah, maybe his, his magnum opus as a major league soccer player. Who knows? But, um, I mean, he's probably going to win MLS cup in the yeah, hey, Shield this good, year. So. Good for him. It, it definitely probably doesn't rank in like the top 10 trophies he's won in his career, but that's okay. It definitely, neither would I come <laughs> close to, to ranking the top 10 trophies he's won in his career. Yeah. But, uh, at least he's here and making us laugh. Right. So, um, we'll wrap it there though, uh, on a fun note for the soccer man Portland podcast for Chris Reifer. I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us and be sure to, uh, follow us wherever you get your podcast, uh, rate us. Um, we've received a, a few positive, reviews lately to to counteract uh business dude uh, i hate to keep giving him mentions i think business dude's okay i think he's okay he's sleeping well yeah I, there is there is there is no listener in whose life we have made a more sort of like tangible impact than business yeah. dude. shout so out shout to, to, to dbf123 though uh july 14th left a uh, kind review saying glad the pod is back five stars if you are interested in the timbers or thorns you should listen we agree. Please leave us a, a kind review or whatever honest review you feel necessary. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX uh, and keep an eye out for additional podcasts in the future. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>